Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Episode 6 of The History Of, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wolfie Tash, and today I'm going to do something a little bit out of the ordinary from how I usually do things. So today, I want to look back at the 1999 Women's World Cup and how that World Cup allowed the United States women's national team to make a name for themselves and get to the point where they are today. This is the history of the U.S. Women's National Team's 1999 World Cup win. Women's soccer in the United States was really good back in the 1990s. I'd even say just about as good or almost better than they are today. The U.S. women first broke on the scene at the 1991 Women's World Cup when they won the tournament to become the first ever Women's World Cup champions. While they would come up short four years later at the 1995 World Cup, finishing only in third, they would remind everyone just how good they were one year later by taking home the first ever gold medal in women's soccer during the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. So, within the first five years of large-scale women tournaments being available, the U.S. had a gold medal, a Women's World Cup, and a second top three finish at the World Cup you could say they were a pretty dominant team at the time. However, even after all their successes and championships and wins, the women's sports division was not being given the same respect and attention that they had earned. That 1995 Women's World Cup only had 112,000 viewers across all 26 matches and only averaged about 4,500 people in the stands per match. Now, I'll admit... The event was held in Sweden, so maybe a lot of people didn't have the money to fly out to Sweden or the Swedish people did not have too much interest in women's soccer. But I think it was because a lot of people looked down upon women's sports as inferior to the men, when in reality, the women were twice as good as the men at the time. But FIFA saw this as a problem, and they knew that the next World Cup had to be something special in order to gain interest for the sport. Two years later, in 1997, the USA was chosen to host the next World Cup, and the United States Women's Soccer Federation began to work right away on the necessary preparations. While the Women's World Cup was given a budget a tenth of the size, you heard me right, a tenth of what the men were given for the 1994 World Cup, the event was able to attract sponsors like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Gillette, and Allstate, Sponsors who previously had never wanted to be affiliated with women's sports, but saw the potential to hit a new demographic of fans, and they decided that they would put some money in towards the event. Adidas also stepped in, helping contribute the necessary gear for the World Cup, and along with all the increase in sponsors, the event organizers wanted to use big stadiums to try and attract the largest crowds. After much deliberation, they decided that the World Cup would take place across eight different cities in the United States, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Landover, Maryland, San Jose, California, Portland, Oregon, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois, Stanford, California, and Pasadena, California. With the exception of the games that were going to be played in Portland, every other city had a football stadium ready to go to hold as many people as possible. 
the event had also decided that they were going to expand the field of play from 12 to 16 teams in order to allow for four teams to play in each group during the tournament. It was the first time that the Women's World Cup had ever allowed more countries into the tournament, so the competition was going to be greater than anything the women's team had ever faced before. The U.S. was put into Group A, along with African champions Nigeria, a Denmark team who was undefeated in European play, and a North Korean squad who was making its first ever Women's World Cup appearance. The U.S. easily won Group A, going 3-0 while outscoring their opponents 13-1 during those three games. Their great play definitely caught the attention of the U.S. fans, as fans began to flock to these stadiums like they had never done before. The U.S. attracted no less than 50,000 fans for each one of their first three games, making that more fans who had come to their group stage play than had attended the previous World Cup altogether. So, it was safe to say that women's soccer was starting to gain a lot of popularity throughout the country. The U.S. advanced to the quarterfinals where they met a tough opponent in Germany. They found themselves trailing in a game for the first time all tournament after allowing a goal just before the half to Germany. However, the U.S. team rebounded and scored twice during the second half and held off the German squad to advance to the semifinals. They would next take on powerhouse Brazil, who was a very good team at the time. But thanks to a Cindy Parlow goal in the fifth minute, the U.S. would never trail in the game and make easy work of Brazil, beating them 2-0 to advance to their second final ever. In the finals, they found out they were going to be taking on China, the team that they had beaten for the gold medal back at the 1996 Olympics, and a team who just a few weeks before the tournament didn't even know if they were going to be able to play at all. The U.S. had closed its embassy in Beijing just weeks before the tournament, which made things really difficult for the team with all their visas and passports and trying to get the necessary paperwork they needed in order to get over to the States. During the same time of the U.S. embassy closing in Beijing, a Chinese embassy in Belgrade, Serbia had been bombed and destroyed, and the U.S. had feared because of all these things going on that the Chinese team was going to pull out of the tournament, which would have been bad because China, obviously, was a really good team at the time. Nonetheless, the visas were processed, the team made it over to the States, and play went on as usual, with China rolling through their group and making it to the finals with ease, beating defending champion Norway 5-0 in the other semifinals in order to meet the U.S. FIFA decided the final game was going to be held at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, just north of us here in Los Angeles, and the game set a record for the most people at a women's sporting event ever in the history of women's sports, as 90,185 people were in the stands that day to watch the women try and go for gold, 17.3 million people watched it on TV, and a total of 40 million people watched the game somehow that day. The two teams played very evenly, and for the first 90 minutes, neither one could get a goal in, so the game went to a penalty kick shootout. During the shootout, the U.S., of course, made all five of their goals, capped off by Brandy Chastain nailing the game-winning kick on the team's fifth try to secure their second Women's World Cup trophy. The outcome of that 1999 World Cup actually did a lot of good for women's soccer at the time. It changed how a lot of fans viewed the sport and grew a lot of interest in watching women play. 
A year later, after that Women's World Cup, a professional soccer league was founded for women to be able to play and showcase their talents throughout the United States in a regular season, kind of similar to what the MLS is today. The U.S. also became the first soccer team ever in history to hold both a gold medal and the World Cup title at the same time, and had officially solidified themselves as the best women's soccer team in the world, and certainly the best soccer team in the United States. It's been 20 years since that World Cup, and not much has changed for the U.S. women's team. They are still the most dominant team in the world, and they're the only country in the world to hold three Women's World Cup titles in the history of the tournament. The U.S. women's national team is a staple for what good women's and men's soccer should look like, and they are the leaders in the world when it comes to creating young, talented women's soccer players. Yet, the team is still fighting for respect as they are getting paid less than half of what their male counterparts are getting paid. And it's not even fair at this point, to be honest with you. I personally think the women should be making more than the men at this point, considering the men have, what, lost at the Gold Cup, embarrassed us by not making the World Cup tournament when they couldn't beat a team that was so much worse than them, and really done nothing for the country other than a quarterfinal berth in the last century? No. I mean, you look at the women, they have three World Cup titles. They've only finished less than third once in the entire history of the tournament. And I believe they should be the most respected soccer team in this nation, period. The U.S. will play their first match on June 11th versus Thailand and are looking to become the first country ever to win four Women's World Cup titles. And if you feel inclined to do so, turn on the game and watch how real soccer should be played. I know the men's team will be watching, and maybe they'll learn a thing or two for the next World Cup. Thank you all so much for listening today. Be sure to check out the next episode of The History Of coming soon. And check out the Believe Podcast Network for other great sports podcasts like this one. I'm Wolfie Tash, and you've been listening to The History Of on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one home for sports podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.